1: Hello and welcome to the African-American Studies channel, The New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel, and I'm here in Houston and wet Houston, but we're still Houston strong. And I'm going to be talking with you today about Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora. This is a great book by dance historian Joanna D. Doss. So give it a listen. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Hello. Greetings and love. Hello. And welcome again to the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel, reading you from uh, a little wet Houston, but we are Houston strong. Just to let everyone know, if you haven't heard from me recently, I'm doing just fine. And I'm doing so fine that I reached out to St. Louis to get a, uh, a dance scholar on with us today. Her name is Joanna D. Das, and she is going to be telling us about her new book, Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora. And this book is published by Oxford University Press. And Joanna is an assistant professor of dance at Washington University in St. Louis, or WashU, as it's affectionately known. So, Joanna, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, James.
1: It is my pleasure. This gives me something nice to do so I can turn off the television and not... (laughs) <laughs> see all the struggles that we are having here in Houston. So thank you for <laughs> giving me that opportunity today to focus on some other things, um, some some different things. So Catherine Dunham, you know, I learned about her a little bit when I was coming through school. And, you know, mm. I, every, anytime I see something about Catherine Dunham, I get really excited. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I had two left feet as a young person. So I <laughs> dance. But I'm always excited about people who are really good at dance. So you know, I really want to get you on and, and share with some people who may be interested in, in dance and African-American history with dance and may not know about Catherine Dunham. And so I was like, wow, look at this book. And so I'm I'm glad to have you on. So before we get into, you know, Catherine a little bit there, Joanna, can you maybe just give us some background about you and yourself as a scholar, as a, as a dancer or, or whatever you'd like to share with our audience, if you don't mind?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in St. Louis. Uh-huh. And so, and I started taking dance classes when I was nine years old, at this place called the Center of Creative Arts, COCA,
0: and
2: yeah, and so it was a community art center. Right. And the my dance teacher, my mentor, her name was Lee Nolting, Mm -hmm. and she modeled the dance program there after Catherine Dunham's children's workshop in East St. Louis across Uh. the river. At that time, Catherine Dunham was living in East St. Louis. And um, Lee Nolting, who is an incredible human being and really one of my my first mentor, Mm -hmm. taught at the Catherine Dunham Children's Workshop and lived in East St. Louis and came and taught us jazz dance Mm -hmm. at COCA. And she really brought this vision that the arts could create community Mm -hmm. um, and bring people together. And so, as you probably know, St. Louis is a pretty segregated city Mm -hmm. um, and with a lot of racist history. And Mm -hmm. COCA. Cocoa was one of the places that people really actually came together. Wonderful. Yeah, and so growing up, that was my understanding of what dance could do. Mm. Um, And I didn't quite realize that that was because of Catherine Dunham, that in other places in the country, dance studios aren't necessarily that way. No, they aren't. So she was um, a major influence in my growing up. And the jazz dance we did was Dunham, inf- heavily influenced by Dunham Technique. And then sometimes Lee Nolting's husband, Daryl Braddock's, mm-hmm. whose picture, he, his picture's in the book, yes, in the yes. chapter on, on East St. Louis, um, he sometimes came and taught us Dunham Technique classes. So for as, a, as a kid, I got some exposure. Uh, then I went off to New York for college because every 17 year old dancer wants <laughs> to come to New York. Of course. <laughs> um, and then I, I decided, you know, I decided a professional dance career wasn't for me. I wanted to write about social justice and and be a part of making positive social change. So I went back to grad school. But I realized I also still wanted to write about dance.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I dance is something, once you fall in love, it never leaves you. Of
0: course.
2: And so I felt that I realized the way to bring my interests together was to write about Katherine Dunham. Ah and yeah and i i felt like to me she was kind of the center of a dan- my dance world mm-hmm. and i met all these people um in my undergrad institution and at columbia university where i got my phd mm-hmm. um who hadn't heard of her even if they right. were dancers or even if they were african american studies majors she wasn't really on their radar and i i wanted to uh, Show how important she was not only to dance but also to the civil rights movement or Absolutely. the long long black freedom struggle. So uh, I got my PhD and my mentors there were um, they're actually a, a husband and wife team, okay. a killer duo. Um, the Lynn Garifola, who's an incredible dance scholar, mm-hmm. and her husband Eric Foner, who is an incredible historian. Who's he? Um, he mostly writes about Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And um, he's written. He's a great public scholar too. That's he's really my role model in that way. He's recently published an op-ed in the New York Times about the Confederate memorials and things like that. So between the two of them, um, they were great mentors to writing this dissertation, which then turned into a book. And eight, 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 eight years later, <laughs>
1: <laughs> eight, eight years later, here you are, Joanna. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you for your hard work in that regard, and and Catherine, I'm I'm, I'm sure would be would be proud that she, you know that her work inspired someone like you to go down your path and to you know educate others across the country, you know, beyond St. Louis and St. Louis area about the the great things that that she did there. So kudos yeah. to you as well, and thank you for giving a shout out to all those folks that uh, were meaningful for you. Hopefully they're yeah. listening. right?
2: right. Yeah. I'll tell them to listen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. So, yes, all all of you whom uh, Joanna mentioned, definitely listen to the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel. You know, we we mm-hmm. have many things that you'll be interested in. And if you, you've you got some books that you'd like to come and talk with us about, come on over. We'd love to hear from you as as well. So, Joanna, you can connect us um, mm-hmm. if there are any that, you know, maybe would uh, be interested in participating and have something that our audience would be interested in um, learning about.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So wonderful. And we're here with Joanna D. Das. Uh, she's a professor of dance at um, St. Uh, Washington University in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. She is an assistant professor of dance. So what does that, what does that entail as an prof- assistant professor of dance? I really want to ask you that <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, so I did my Ph.D. in history, but mm-hmm. as I said, dance never really left me, oh, even boy. though I said, oh, I'm done with that professional dance career. Um, I couldn't stop dancing <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when I started researching this, the, uh, the dissertation on Catherine mm-hmm. Dunham, I started to reconnect with Dunham folks and realized there was a, you know, there's a annual summer seminar and an annual summer workshop where you can learn the technique and really dig into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause Catherine Dunham created her own dance technique. That's one of the wonderful things that she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I when I started taking that dance, those dance technique classes again, something awakened in me right from my childhood. Like this is the way I used to dance and Mm. that nothing else had quite fit. Ballet didn't quite fit. Other kinds of modern dance didn't quite fit. Catherine Dunham's blending of Afro-Caribbean dance and modern dance and ballet and this fusion that she created really spoke to me. And that's the way I had danced as a child. Right. Mm. So. It came back to me, um, and so I found a real home with those folks um, in their annual summer workshops, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm now certified to teach Denim technique. Mm. So, as a professor of dance with a PhD, I do it all. I teach the history of the history of dance throughout mm. all space and time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and then I also teach dance technique. So I'm in the studio. I'm in the lecture hall. I try to bring those together sometimes. <laughs> wow. So Yeah. So it's, it's great. It's my dream job. I feel very lucky.
1: I was going to say that sounds like <laughs> the perfect job for someone like, 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 like yourself. Wow. That's that's wonderful. Maybe there's hope for me, Joanne. We'll have to talk. Yeah. Maybe you can get me some. I'm pretty bad. But, you know, maybe we can work something out.
2: Well, there are some great Dunham Techniques teachers in Dallas. OK, well, so you can make your way over to Dallas. Dallas Black right. Dance Theater has some certified teachers.
1: OK. Oh,
2: so yeah. You should. I know Texas is big, but. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to talk. Maybe we can get some Houston something going. If you're a, a Dunham Technique person in, in Houston, re- reach out to me on the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel, or reach out to Joanna and, and maybe we can connect. We've got to get some some more D- Dunham stuff going on down here in, in Houston, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's awesome. And so, eight years—you know—was was the process, and um, for you to complete this book, and it came out of your dissertation that you that you mentioned. Um, can you maybe share with the audience what type of research techniques or, or methods that you use to gather your information for your book?
2: Sure. So, I realized that something that there there have been some other biographies of Catherine sure. Dunham out there. Um, but what I realized is she was such an incredible presence and force mm-hmm. that oftentimes. Um there's a lot of reliance on interviews with her because mm-hmm. she was alive at the time all the other biographies were written mm-hmm. and sometimes you know human memory human beings we remember some things that we want to remember and then we forget some things and I wanted to dig in and really you know learn more so I went to her archive mm-hmm. So she kept, a, she kept all these things. Even though she traveled the world, somehow mm. she kept letters and diaries and everything. And she kind of knew how important she was going to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I went to Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. They have a whole archive of her materials. Okay. I went to, um, then she donated more materials to the Missouri History Museum. Mm-hmm. And those archives were closed to the public because they still had people's social security numbers in there, oh. and bank account numbers. No one had ever processed the papers and gone through and kind of crossed that stuff out. So I said, I want to look at that. Can I I process the materials for you? I'm not a trained archivist, but I can, you know, learn quickly. Mm -hmm. So I got a grant from Columbia University and I went there and I processed that collection. Look at you. (laughs) And um, made it available to the public. So I wasn't, I actually wasn't even the first person to use it. This scholar from England came over and looked at it. So that made me I really am happy to try to spread as much knowledge about Dunham as possible and make as much material as accessible as possible. So That's wonderful., um, so, yeah, so lots of archival stuff, and then I, and I did interview a lot of her former dancers and mm-hmm. students as many as I, as I could. Um, and then I also, um, as I said, I started learning the dance technique again mm. to really get it in my body. So I could kind of really understand mm, what right. it feels like to do her movement. Wow. Um, and then I also went to Haiti. Mm. I felt like that was that was a piece that I could add, um, because now we're in a moment where people are thinking more internationally and transnationally. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to really think about her influence outside the United States also.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I went down to Haiti uh, in January 2016. That was kind of the last piece of research I did. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Um, it was incredible to go there and l- talk to people um, I talked to a 98-year-old woman, Vivian Gautier, who is one of the uh, foremost Haitian folk dancers, mm-hmm. and listened to her talk about Catherine Dunham's influence. So, um, so yeah, interviewing people, dancing with people, going and digging in the archive, all that, including places dance scholars don't normally go, like the <laughs> National Archives in, in Washington, D.C., uh, the State Department. And we can talk about that when we talk about her trials. Trials and tribulations with the State Department, but I I had this hunch that they probably you know had some stuff on her, and uh, yeah, so I found State Department and FBI files on Catherine Dunham. Mm. It, was, it was interesting to also just bring her into a, the broader historical story of what right. was happening in the United States in the t- mid twentieth century.
1: Absolutely right. So for you young scholars out there, I mean, you eight years, and you you know you heard <laughs> the type of. Um, <laughs> Uh, research methods that Joanna did and she even went to some places that she said some dance
2: scholars <laughs> <college laughs> would not
1: normally go but I mean to get a well-rounded picture of someone when you're trying to present a biography of them you know you have to maybe and, and to maybe explore some avenues that you know maybe previous works have not explored you have to be willing to go out and do some different kind of things and she did and, and this is definitely I recommend this text about Catherine Dunham here it's uh, a wonderful text and what and what which book is this we're talking about? We're talking with Joanna <laughs> D. and the book is Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora, and it's published by our friends at Oxford University Press. Do you have a British accent you can share with Joanna since you're with Oxford or no?
2: No, I, I would be too embarrassed to try, I oh, think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: And she's an assistant professor of dance but a historian as well. So I guess we can call you a dance historian. How about that? Yeah,
2: that sounds perfect.
1: Yes, a dance historian at Washington University in St. Louis. And for all you St. Louis folk out there from the loo or whatever, she is a St. Louis person as well, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever met Nellie or anything like that. I, w- I won't ask. Oh, it's too late. I I
2: <laughs> I've not met Nellie, but he went to my middle school.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So he was. A, right. he's a few years ahead of me. All right. But,
1: yeah. And, and so our folk who've never been to St. Louis may not realize they have that walk of fame with all the stars of the well-known mm-hmm. St. Louis people um, there. And pretty soon we're going to see Joanna D. Doss, the outstanding <laughs> dance historian, is going to be amongst those stars. Right. What do you think, Joanna? I think so.
2: <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. All right.
1: Well, thank you for giving us a little bit about your background. And uh, you teased us a little bit, you know, when you talked about some of the things with, um uh, Catherine Dunham in the State Department and some of those mm. kind of things. So if you don't mind, maybe can you, you know, maybe get into uh, your book a little bit and maybe tell us mm. some of the interesting things that you found or that you want to share. So people who are interested in a- and buying your book or, or, or checking it out in the library can kind of know some of the things that are going to be in there. And then maybe, you know, for those, like you said, Joanna, who don't know, they're like, well, who is this Ka- Catherine Dunham? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe kind of bridge that gap for us as well.
2: Sure. So so Catherine Dunham was one of the most important dance choreographers of the twentieth century mm-hmm. and people often credit her with having the first black dance company in the United States. Okay. There were there were of course black choreographers before her. So she's not the first person, but right. her company became nationally and internationally famous. Mm-hmm. And she trained so many of the dancers and choreographers who then trained the next generation right. and the next generation. So she's often called the matriarch of black dance. Although mm-hmm. she sometimes didn't like that term, but, um, but, but people really see her as a, as an important ancestor in the dance community. Right. Um, And so what really got me interested in this book is I really wanted to think about artists as activists. What Mm -hmm. does it mean? What does it mean for an artist to be an activist? Mm -hmm. Um, And how did did she in particular balance wanting to be a part of social justice movements, Mm -hmm. but also sometimes saying, you know what, like I'm an individual artist and why do I always have to be political? Why can't I just be my creative self? Sure. Um, and other times she needed to make a living, right? And <laughs> and and one thing that's unique about choreographers as opposed to maybe a painter or a writer is she didn't have to just support herself. She had to support a company of 30 dancers, wow, and right. musicians, and administrators and stagehands and set designers and costume designers. You know, she had a lot of people depending on her financially, and so She that in in itself, you could also say is a political act, because um, when she got started in the 1930s, there weren't too many jobs for African-American dancers. Mm -hmm. And she provided training and jobs um, for a lot of people. And so it was she felt it was important not to just have a solo career, but to employ a lot of people. Okay. Um. So that was a question I started with. What does it mean for an artist to be an activist? How can artists contribute to social change? How mm-hmm. mm-hmm. can and balance that with these other things she wanted to do? Um, and so I started to look at what she would do on stage through her creative work. And then also the actions she took off stage because she became a celebrity. Um, we don't have too many dancers who are celebrities today. I don't know <laughs> who, uh, who comes to mind first for you when I think of a dance celebrity. Any uh- thoughts?
1: None that don't all also sing or, or something, <laughs> right, you know? I guess yeah. uh, Savion Glover, maybe?
2: Yeah, I think of him and, and maybe, like, Misty Copeland's the ballerina. Right, yeah. Yeah, but... That's
1: about
2: it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, but, but back in Dunham's day, dancers were celebrities. She was on the front page of newspapers, mm-hmm. right, not just the arts section. So she used her celebrity status um, to fight against segregation and racism. And then on stage with her choreography, um, she also sort of fought against negative representations. But even went beyond that, Uh, I see her as one of these artists who wanted to change the way we saw the world. And specifically, the reason the African diaspora is in the title is Mm -hmm. she wanted her black audiences in particular to see themselves as a part of a broader global community Mm -hmm. Um, and as a part of a culturally rich, historically rich uh, group of people who could unite based on their cultural, shared cultural heritage right. to kind of uh, make political change happen, not only against racism in the United States, but against colonialism in Africa, um, against sort of discrimination in Haiti and you know wherever she felt there was injustice. So she saw her onstage work as a way to bring people from various parts of the African diaspora together through mm-hmm. her choreography. She set her pieces in places throughout the African diaspora, showing their uh, their similarities, but also um, their uniquenesses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So so she did. So she tried to invest in kind of social change, both in her onstage creative work and offstage. Wow. wow.
1: And so. Right. So for those folks who aren't familiar with Catherine Dunham, as you heard Joanna say, right. And, you, know, you know, in her um, introduction right there. Wow. I mean, she wasn't she was more than just a dancer. You know, Mm -hmm. and and we think about people, you know, people mention like LeBron James, you know, and and other athletes and Colin Kaepernick and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth or or actors or, you know, other performers who are more politically active now, you know, and that was something during that during that time period. I mean, it was almost expected that you would, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe kind of speak a little bit more uh, about Mm -hmm. those things. And so, unfortunately, a lot of that, you know, particularly with, you know, Catherine Dunham, you know, people think about Muhammad Ali.
0: Um, mm.
1: and folk like that. She's kind of been mm-hmm. lost to time a little bit. Do you think maybe mm-hmm. her being a woman may have had something to do with that as well?
2: Yeah, I think her being a woman and also that um, dance is not as popular of a art form mm. as music. As you said, you know, people, I think of her, The it's hard to find a parallel to her today, but I think of Beyonce.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, a good one. In a
2: way. Yeah, especially because when Catherine Dunham started, she wasn't quite as political. Mm-hmm. And then, and in fact, in 1941, this reporter did an interview with her, and she said, Emily Herzog was a reporter, and she said, Catherine Dunham is curious, um, and she used the term Negro because that was the term yeah, used at the, the time. That was the term, sure. Yeah. Um, as, she's curious as a Negro artist is that she's not very political. Um, but within two years, Catherine Dunham, after going on tour around the country, she quickly became politicized mm-hmm. um, to the what was happening because she faced discrimination everywhere she went. Um, I forgot to mention she grew up in she was born outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. in a suburb of Chicago, went to University of Chicago
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, for college, and kind of lived in in these circles of interracial mm-hmm. academics and artists. And of course she faced discrimination in Chicago, but she kind of stayed in those circles. Sure. She, had a, she had a white husband, John Pratt. But then when she went to Hollywood and went on national tour, she faced Time and again, people saying, no, you can't stay in this hotel. No, you can't eat in this restaurant. Um, and so that really galvanized her. And um, can I tell you a little opening anecdote from the book?
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, a story of her offstage activism and then a story of kind of her onstage activism. Please do. So in 1944, she and her company toured a Louisville, Kentucky. And um, she learned that... The the theater is segregated, mm-hmm. and the black, black section is completely full, sold out, mm. and there's there's dozens and dozens of people on the sidewalk waiting to get in to see wow. her. The white section has a lot of empty seats, mm. so she says um, to the manager, "I don't want to go on stage and let unless you let in my the African American audience and desegregate the theater. This is ridiculous. They want to see me perform." And he said, I'm going to call the police if you don't fulfill your contract and perform. <sighs> so here she is. What does she do? Um, mm. So she does this brilliant, makes a brilliant move where she kind of, she decides to go ahead with the show because she wants to perform and at least get the people who are in the theater to be able to see her. Right. But she doesn't let, the, let it go. At the end, she's doing her bow and she turns around and she's pinned a sign to her backside. That says, for whites only. And she shimmies back and forth. It's a sign that one of her dancers had stolen from a segregated train car as they were taking the train down to Louisville. And so she turns back around and she says, I'm glad that you've enjoyed this show, but I'm not going to return to Louisville until people like me can sit next to people like you. Mm. And it made national headlines. And you know, we often think of, uh, maybe like Rosa Parks being one of the first people to take a public stance against the segregated public space. But mm-hmm. uh, this is 10 years earlier, 10 years earlier, Catherine Dunham is on stage saying she'll refuse to come back until the theater is segregated. Wow. So it was a brilliant move, right? She was able to perform. She didn't go to jail, but she then made her point mm-hmm. and it made national news. And this 15-year-old boy um, from indiana for example wrote her a letter saying i was so proud to read of your stance in louisville wow. um you know so she was inspiring people across the country with this these this dance that she began to take and then on stage most of her dances weren't overtly political mm-hmm. they were more about showing sort of um showing the beauty and richness of black life right and and so that was her main goal However, at a certain point, she got fed up. <laughs> and, and we all do. <laughs> at some point, you know, so in her mind, she had been thinking about doing an anti-lynching dance for a long time. And then in 1950, she was in the middle of a tour of Latin America. And she had gotten by that time international fame um, and international support. The president of Argentina at the time, Juan Perón, mm-hmm. and his m- most famous wife, Evita, were um, became buddies with her. They really praised her work. So I think she felt she was like on solid enough ground that she could go for this more daring piece. And in 1950, in Argentina, she began to choreograph a dance called Southland, which depicted a lynching. And it was not abstracted. She had a man hanging from a rope from a magnolia tree on the stage that ends the first act. Um, and then had Claudia McNeil sing Strange Fruit. Mm. Um, and then the second act, the first act depicts how this lunching unfolds, right? There's a couple, there's a white couple. The white man beats up his lover. This uh, black, black man comes up and tries to help her. And she's very embarrassed, right, that she's been beaten up. And so mm. she accuses him of rape oh. rather than admit that it's her white boyfriend who had done this to her. So he's the man, the black man is lynched. The second act is a funeral procession Mm -hmm. and the mourners carry his coffin through a nightclub, Mm. kind of invoking New Orleans second lining in a way. Um, And it was a very powerful piece, but this is in the middle of the Cold War. And the United States government does not want, you could say, to air its dirty laundry. It doesn't Mm. want anyone else around the world to know how racist Its society is, especially because it's been very easy for Russia, our kind of opponent in the Cold War. They didn't have to make up any propaganda. They could just (laughs) take a newspaper from the United States and and say, look, why would you follow the United States model of democracy? Their democracy is hypocritical, Um, you know. So U.S. officials in uh, Chile were very upset when she performed this piece um, and said, you cannot perform this dance again in the rest of Latin America um and told all the other embassies in Latin America if she tries to do this dance when she comes to tour your country stop her wow and so you know she faced a lot of pushback from it so that's those are the things i found in the state department archives Dunham had given interviews about her experiences mm-hmm. but i was like i bet i bet there's something of the state department has said and so i found these memos where they had written about you know how dangerous this dance was and things like that and um yeah. And so then she didn't get State Department funding for the rest of that decade.
1: <laughs> I can imagine why not.
2: <laughs> wow. um, so, yeah, so she was she was brave and fearless and in, in choreographing this dance and putting it on the stage for the world to see.
1: Wow. And it was called Southland, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's that's those are two amazing stories there. Wow. And mm-hmm. thank you for sharing. And you can find those stories and more.
0: <laughs> in, jo-
1: in Joanna D. Doss book, Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora, published by our friends at Oxford University Press. And who is this Joanna? Well, she's a new mother, which we'll get into. <laughs> Joanna D. Doss is an assistant professor of dance at Washington University in St. Louis, a dance historian as I like to call her. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So you were able to find those things by doing that additional taking that additional step and going and doing that research in the state department and the national archives. So there are some things mm-hmm. there that people may not be able to find or see in other works on Catherine Dunham. So that's all the more reason that you should, you should pick up Joanna D Doss's book on Catherine Dunham. Right. Mm-hmm. And plus she has a young daughter, right. Or a son, daughter.
2: It's a son. It's a son. It's a son. Uh-huh. She has a
1: young daughter. I'm, ah. Young son, born the day before my birthday, that she's going to be trying to support, right? So congratulations yes. on that, Joanne.
2: Thank you so much. What's his name? His name is Kirtan.
1: Ah, oh, very nice.
2: It's a uh, it's Sanskrit, and it, it means a devotional song or chant. Ah, yeah.
1: So I'm sure he's going to be dancing in probably just a few years, right?
2: Oh, he was dancing in the womb. I was teaching. <laughs> <dance>. <laughs> I was teaching dance technique up until the day before I went into labor. So he was moving to drums in the womb up until, you know, the day he was born.
1: Oh, my goodness. So we so everyone in the audience, we've got a a future MC Hammer, Michael Jackson, (laughs) some kind of future dance star here. So remember remember his name. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's
1: that's awesome. And yeah, we're here on the New Books Network, the African-American studies channel, chatting it up with Joanna D. Doss about her book on Catherine Dunham. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing some of those anecdotes there, as I said, and kind of giving us a feel for the type of thing that the readers mm-hmm. um, can and the listeners and, and eventually hopefully the readers can get if they pick up your book. And, of course, like all the books and all the, the writers and the scholars that you hear on the New Books Network, you can click right through from our New Books Network blog page. You can find out some cool information about Joanna D. Doss there and um, you can click right through and purchase her book. And from one of our partner booksellers there and have your own copy right in your home. Right. And so let's talk about the cover of the book a little sure. bit. Sure. You know, I like to mm-hmm. talk about the cover of these books, you know, and so one people can know when they see it. This is what, what they're they're viewing. But also let's kind of get into the background of the book itself. This is a beautiful cover, a nice mm-hmm. kind of lime green um, look, and it's a, a beautiful picture of Catherine mm-hmm. Dunham on the cover. And you've already told us a little bit about the title, Dance and the African Diaspora, why you chose that title. And I guess your publishers allowed that title to be
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, used for the book. Sometimes that doesn't always work that way.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But in your case, it, it did. But maybe can you tell us a little bit about the um, the image? Is this an image that you chose? What is this image? And, and why was it important from your perspective for the book or the publisher's perspective, whomever chose it?
2: Okay, I chose it. And it does have a good story. So. All right. First of all, I wanted to use an image that hadn't been used before right. uh, in other books. And so I found this picture in Italy, of all places. Oh. <laughs> so one of the interesting things about Catherine Dunham is that, you know, she made, she was not only a brilliant artistic genius and mm-hmm. in br- brilliant intellect, um, right. as I said, she went to University of Chicago, um, but she was also emotionally Brilliant. Uh, You know, they talk about emotional intelligence nowadays. Mm -hmm. She knew how to make special connections with so many different people. Wow. When she went on tour to Italy in the 1940s, she developed a very strong friendship with an art historian named Bernard Berenson. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: He was in his 80s. She was in her 40s. But they began what she calls kind of like a love affair of the mind, right? It was never... (laughs) It was never physical, but um, they had this deep connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he actually was an American, Jewish American, who lived in Italy okay. um, and studied the Italian Renaissance. So they, they began this friendship, and they wrote each other letters back and forth for 10 years while wow. she was on tour internationally. And somehow he always found what address she was at and, <laughs> you know, things like that. So they wrote letters until he passed away in his 90s. Wow. Um, and in fact, she felt so deeply about this friendship she had created that she wanted to call her, she started writing a memoir that never was published, but she wanted to write a memoir of those 10 years on tour called Love Letters from Itati. Itati mm-hmm. is his, his, it's his villa in, in Italy. So she framed her entire life story of those 10 years around her relationship with Bernard Berenson. Mm-hmm. So this was a photo she sent to him. <laughs> and that's why I found it in his papers in Italy. I went to Villa Itati, and I just think she looks so regal there. I agree. She, I agree. Um, and she's beautiful. She's strong. Um, she's elegant, and you know, I feel like it really captures her her spirit. Um, and so I thought it was just a, a wonderful photograph, and also. Um, you know the story is she she could find connections with anyone, and she really believed in kind of the universal humankind and mm-hmm. and finding connections to people and and using the arts um to bridge to bridge cultural gaps so um, I thought it was a nice background uh story, and then the Oxford chose the colors
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i I don't know if I would have chosen like kind of a a lime green, but then it really does make it pop, it, so it does. <laughs>
1: Leave it to the, the experts, Joanna. Let them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know a thing or two about what works, I guess. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. I would have never thought of lime green myself. I'm, I think I'm with you, but it does look great, and it makes it stand out. So, kudos, Oxford University Press. Good job yeah. there. Joanna's <laughs> cool with it, right? You're you're fine
2: yeah. with it. I'm great. Yeah.
1: So that's good, right? And so, yeah, right. As you look at our blog posts, you know, listeners, uh, you can see this. This uh, beautiful image on the cover and just a beautiful cover in general for Joanna's book. Uh, And so, you know, again, Joanna D. Das, uh, dance historian, Washington University um, at St. Louis in St. Louis. And the book is Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora. Wow. And so it's been great talking with you about these things. And, and talking with you about Catherine Dunham and even learn a little bit about your life, Joanne. I mean, I think, uh-huh. you know, you're sort of like me. We don't like to talk about ourselves very much, <laughs> but you have a, you know, very interesting story. And, you know, and as you mentioned, those other folk who were influenced by Catherine Dunham, you certainly mm-hmm. can include yourself among them, mm-hmm. and, you know, have led to you to have, you know, great success. We never know when we're young, those mm-hmm. influences, those things that are important to yeah. us that help shape our, you know, our lives. And you, mm-hmm. and you never know someone listening to this podcast right now may be motivated to go pick up this book or learn mm-hmm. more about Catherine Dunham. And mm-hmm. it just goes on through the future generations. Right. Yeah. 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 So definitely. Thank so thank you so much for writing this book and, and and making it accessible for people in 2017. You know, in the, mm-hmm. in the 21st you know century, this is, you know, more of a, a kind of a current, you know, accounting. And like you said, you did some additional research or some different research and a, a different mm-hmm. approach than maybe that had been done in the past. So that mm-hmm. makes your book unique in that regard, mm-hmm. and certainly mm-hmm. uh, worthy of being picked up even from people who mm-hmm. maybe have some other Dunham books. You know, you have mm-hmm. some some different things here in this book. So kudos to you, Joanna.
0: On, Thank you.
1: As as well, and you know, before we go, because I know she's got her her baby in the other room. <laughs> Mom is like. <laughs> <laughs> taking care of her baby while we while mm-hmm. we have this interview, so we don't want to keep Joanna all day. But I did, Joanna, want to give you a chance if you would like to share any current things you're working on or, or future research projects that you kind of have, um, you know, in your mind. And then where pl- places where people can find you, you know, if they're interested in sending you messages or, or writing or letting you know about the book or, or just sharing their experiences with Catherine Dunham, mm-hmm. perhaps.
2: Sure. Yeah. I'd love to talk to anyone who's interacted with Catherine Dunham. And, you know, when I, I'm going to different cities to do book talks and I, I always bring someone, um, have someone from the Dunham community join me in the talk. So I'll be talking in Chicago and New York. Um, hope to get down to Houston.
1: We're Uh, going to talk about that in a few minutes.
2: (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, if you just Google, probably the easiest thing to do, just Google my name and my Washington University page will pop up. And you can find my email address through there, and that's okay. probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, is is through that
1: straight up through um, your, your work address, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Now I've forgotten the other question you asked. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's pretty important for people to be able to uh, <laughs> to uh, get in contact with you. And again, and we'll have a link to your Washington University page too on our blog site. Um, okay. So everyone, you'll be able to you know click. You know, through there as well, and we'll have like your publisher's page on on the book and yeah. all, all those uh, cool things. And the other question I asked Joanna is, "What's next?"
2: Oh, uh, what's next? Well, other than yeah. taking care
1: of your baby, that's definitely next.
2: <laughs> but you know, yeah. or
1: any current or, or or anything you've done recently that maybe something you've done in the past if you want to point people to if they're interested in the type of work that you do or future projects, anything like that sure. you want to share?
2: Sure. Um, well, first I'll just say I just have one more thing I just wanted to say about Catherine Dunham, and sure. I hope I hope that the book is an inspiration to people who, you know, a lot of us are interested in, in kind of building a new social justice movement now, mm-hmm. both Black Lives Matter and kind of trying to fight the current political climate. And mm-hmm. I think Dunham is a true inspiration. You know, when times are kind of dark, it was always a joy to go read about her and 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 dig back into her life and her resilience. Wow. Yes. Um, you know, she lived through dark times also. I mean, it wasn't like the Cold War was a piece of cake um, oh. or or segregation or anything. Jim and Crow, she, right? she, yeah, Jim Crow, she was resilient. She was strong. She kept being creative. She kept creating, um, you know, a vision of a better world on the stage and in the dance studio when she taught her dance technique. So I hope the book can be an inspiration for people today who are trying to figure out how they can use their voice and their artistic voices um, to kind of make the world a better place. And I think um, I hope that they can find inspiration in her story. Um, well said. So, yeah. And, and other things I'm working on right now, um, I'm interested in musical theater dance actually, mm. because there hasn't been a lot of work on dance in musical theater. Um, but musical theater is a the way most people see dance, right? Mm. Like most people don't go to I bet you've more recently seen a musical than a dance concert. My guess. That's my guess.
1: That would be absolutely.
2: <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to talk about, you know, write more about like what kind of messages does dance send through musical theater?
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. um, that's the way most people encounter, encounter dance um, performance. So I'm interested in particularly in how Africa as a, as a continent mm-hmm. has been represented in various musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, starting way back in 1903 with Bert Williams and George Walker's musical *In Dahomey*,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and going all the way through to Fela, and even um, the Book of Mormon. Right?
0: Mm. Wow.
2: So, um, different ways that African dance has been used or misused um, to further certain ideas about Americanness, about blackness, et cetera. So that's something I'm I'm interested in.
1: Uh-huh. And so, can we count on you to come back to the New Books Network when you complete <laughs> that work?
2: Yeah, definitely, uh,
1: definitely. That sounds that sounds pretty good. And when you when you made me think about the last you know uh, performance that I saw, musical theater, it was uh, "Ain't Nothing But the Blues."
2: Oh, okay. That okay. was right
1: here in in Houston, and of course, you know, at the beginning of that. They do the representation of the, you know, African uh, traditional dance and how it related to the formation of the blues. So Mm. as you were just explaining that, I was thinking right back to the performance that Uh I saw, Uh um, you know, with that. And it kind of goes through uh, modern times. Yeah. 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 So so there you go. Um, And I loved it. I loved Ain't Nothing But Oh, good. Yeah. That was, was, I didn't get to see it on Broadway, but I did get Mm -hmm. to see it here in Houston. There you go. All right. So. Yeah, and that, yeah, that sounds that sounds like an interesting work there. I'm definitely looking forward to talking with you when you get that done. And if mm-hmm. I could put in a few requests, Joanna, for sure. your, your your research, a couple of things you mentioned today, I would love to see you write about.
2: Okay, com- yeah. Com-
1: comparison between Catherine and Dun- Dunham and Beyonce.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, in terms of that, because you you mentioned that that's who whom you would maybe compare Dunham to in current times. I would love to see. Yeah. Something about that. I mean, I could write about that, but you're, a, you know, a dance historian. I think you would have a better, you know, mm-hmm. well, maybe we could work together on that. Maybe.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Collaborate. I love collaboration.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. And then the other thing I think you would probably be uniquely, you know, kind of suited for is the ten year relationship between that Italian, mm-hmm. the, the Italian, um, and um, Dunham and those unfinished memoirs. Has anyone written on yet? Tried to do anything that you know of?
2: No, um, so she else she has two different unfinished memoirs, and and my dream is that we could bring the two together and do one big one. Um, uh, Catherine Denham's daughter lives in Paris, and um, she is interested in publishing her mom's memoirs. Mm-hmm. So you know, she and I might start some conversations about there that. I'd, I'd love to to help with the editing and things like that. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah I, would to, I would love to see that, and, and we could put that. You know we could talk to some of our hollywood friends and get that on the screen yeah,
2: right? yeah there you <laughs> go
1: get 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 the film rights there and, yeah. and, and all that so yeah those are two things that you know not telling you what research to do or anything but mm-hmm. those are two requests that i have joanna right. if if i could make some maybe we could work together on the beyonce one yeah. um you know like you said particularly because she's from houston area as, mm. as well right so yeah and i've got a friend here and um from Houston area, historian. Some of you may remember Tawana Steptoe. Uh, she mm-hmm. uh, had done one of interviews, Houston Bound, so she's uh, uh, very familiar with Houston artists and, 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 and such as well. So she may be interested in that work. I could put you in touch with uh, Tawana Steptoe out there in Arizona. Okay. Maybe yeah. there's some, some interest there. All right. Well, I'm not going to hold you up from your son, the dancer, any longer. <laughs> Joanna, it's been great. I I could talk with you all day, literally all day now since you've got uh, water and everything around here. But but thank you so much for spending some time with us, Catherine, and and sharing with my audience about uh, Catherine Dunham and potentially even introducing some of them to Catherine Mm -hmm. Dunham for the first time. And so I highly recommend Joanna's book, everyone. Uh, and, And again, the book is Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora. And the uh, author is dance historian from Washington University in St. Louis. Wash U, as is affectionately known. Mm-hmm. Joanna D. Doss. She's a St. Louis uh, native there. She came back after spending some time in New York doing that dance thing. And mm-hmm. the book is published by Oxford University Press. And so, uh, you know, you guys and ladies who are listening, go go check that book out. And yes. Everyone in Houston area, I am going to try to negotiate a deal with her as soon as we get off the air to try to get her on her book, tier to, <laughs> book tier, um, to Houston. So, if you're interested in hearing about Dunham and the Dunham technique and those things, I'm going to try to get her to Houston. Don't, don't worry. So, we're going to let Catherine go. Uh, Catherine, if you could just say goodbye to our audience and we're going to let you get back to your lovely son, okay?
2: All right. Well, bye, everyone, and thank you so much for listening.
1: Absolutely. And thank you also from me on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. Stay strong, Houston. You know how we do under dying and troubling circumstances. And uh, everybody's going to be okay. So peace and love, Houston. Peace and love, everyone, on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. And we'll see you soon. All right. We are back. On the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel. Thank you so much, Joanna D. Doss, for the great interview on your book, Catherine Dunham, Dance and the African Diaspora. This is a really great book, y'all. I think you should definitely check it out, especially if you don't know anything about Catherine Dunham. Because Joanna did a great job here with this book. And I'm really anxious to see um, some of her future work on dance history. I think it's going to be great. So check this book out. Oxford University Press is the publisher. So on that note, peace and love. Stay strong, Houston. And we'll see you next time on the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network.